0: Today's episode of Northern Lights is presented by North Star Law Group, your trusted partner in Minnesota's burgeoning legal cannabis industry. Whether you're just starting out or looking to expand, attorney Jen Riza and her team will help you understand the latest developments, scope out risks, and find a compliant path forward in this rapidly changing field. Visit northstarlaw.com and let North Star Law Group guide you through the legal landscape with confidence hello 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 welcome back another episode of northern Lights. welcome john welcome how's how are it you doing doing well how are yourself <laughs> i'm also doing well man it's been it's been a great week great weather good yeah absolutely we're sort of coming into the end part of summer and uh Man, it is beautiful out. That is for sure. Such Minnesotans starting talking about the weather. Yeah. All right, let's jump into cannabis. It's all around us. (laughs) Just like cannabis. What a great connection. I like that one. Well, welcome, everyone. Another episode of Northern Lights. You know why we're here, but just to fill you in, we're the Minnesota Cannabis College helping to prepare people for that upcoming cannabis industry here in Minnesota. This is Northern Lights. We help to educate you on some of the happenings going on in Minnesota's cannabis industry, and there's sure a lot going on. That's. For sure. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of news to touch on today. We've got some products to sample. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from Jen Riza talking about, really, when do you need an attorney? Both for those people starting businesses and those people who might already be operating businesses. And then at the end, we're going to be talking about the great Minnesota get-together. We're going to be touching on the state fair. Touching on the... the, Have you gone yet? I I did, yeah. I I got to go uh, last weekend uh, during... Sunday morning. That's my preferred time. Um, it's pretty quiet. Uh, you can eat all the cookies you want oh. in peace. Yeah, It's nice only waiting in line for like three minutes for Sweet Martha's cookies and not like 30 minutes. Uh, Tell me about it. Yeah. So, But yeah. So lots of cannabis news that we're going to be touching on today. The first little bit that we wanted to talk about is some, some pretty big news. So the cool part about seeing states legalize cannabis is, Sort of after the first month or two, they report, here's how much in cannabis sales we've had. Yeah. Well, we yep. sort of have our version of that here in Minnesota. We um, have our
1: official first, but I would say not technically what, what we should be fully expecting from this tax.
0: Absolutely. I think we both know it's not that the market doesn't exist. It's just that the tax doesn't yet apply to maybe that legacy side of the market hasn't yet been brought into that adult use, but there is a tax on legal low potency hemp products here in Minnesota. And that first month of receipts has been reported. And John, there was nearly $600,000 just on the tax side that was raised from cannabis just in the first like 20 days alone,
1: man. I, I love to see that. And it's coming from just 571 businesses, like as of right now, mm-hmm. you know, as that reporting comes in and we have more businesses who I, I think understand the tax, understand the new law, that number should only increase on a month by month basis. So I'm excited. I'm excited to keep keep watching that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As Chris on touched on during her presentation, she talked about how they've seen a lot of businesses start to register, start to sort of go through that process of reporting this information. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that there's a lot more that still need to. So,
1: yeah, and right. you know, there's a lot of conflicting information out there still about who needs to register. So mm-hmm. I think, as you know, hopefully this director gets picked here soon, and we get more clarity about what what everyone should be doing and who should be selling these products. I think, yeah, yeah. we'll get we'll get a better picture. Yeah,
0: 100% agree. So just some numbers out of the state, they project. That in fiscal year 2024, we'll have 15.4 million dollars in this cannabis sales tax. Now, again, that's that's not that like adult use market that we see in Colorado, we see in Illinois, Michigan. That's just that low potency, pre-existing part of the market that exists mm-hmm. today.
1: Just in Minnesota.
0: Just in Minnesota, yeah. and just that 10% sales tax on it. They then project an additional 50 million dollars in 2025, and then all the way up to 84 million dollars annually by 2026. And so,
1: do you know, Tanner, that's factoring in full legalization?
0: Those numbers are, Okay. Yeah. Um, so obviously that 2024 number won't factor that in, but they do anticipate that pretty significant ramp-up from adult use afterwards, yeah. Wow. So, so out of that nearly $600,000 that was raised, um, we know during the back and forth of that bill drafting process mm-hmm. that they earmarked about 20% of that go specifically to local governments to help with cannabis regulation, which means that um, the city's negotiations on that, just in the first month of it, netted them about a $100,000 to help regulate the cannabis industry here in Minnesota, just in month one. Wow. So a lot to still come on this. Uh, We just wanted to touch on that because it might not be, you know, the $15 million coming out of Illinois in their first month, Mm -hmm. but that's full adult youth industry up and running. This is just that low-potency market that yeah. had been running for years. I feel years, like that so.
1: needs to like be really hammered on that we will have two streams of income or of revenue from cannabis in the state of Minnesota yeah. where once we get that high-dose high, high dose stuff, we'll see those larger revenues come in like the other states. Mm-hmm. But we have, yeah, something to show for it from day one, which is, I think, pretty, pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I love that you touched on sort of those two different routes to get to that 10% because there are other ways to get cannabis. Like you could go to Red Lake or White Earth. um, You're not paying that specific 10%. Mm -hmm. I know White Earth did impose a 10% tax, but it's not going to that general fund. It's going to White Earth. And if you are part of that medical program, another track to get cannabis, you're not paying sales tax at all. It's totally tax-free. So um, I think it's important that we touch on that. So sort of transitioning, talking about those local governments, talking about this funding, we wanted to touch on some pretty big news that had been coming out some of our municipalities, some of our counties, some of our cities, all of that throughout Minnesota. Um, as I'm sure our listeners know, but just to fill you in, House File 100 left a lot of the regulating about where you can actually consume cannabis to local jurisdiction. It, let, it said a couple places you can't. Um, you know, we definitely can't be smoking cannabis at a public school. Mm -hmm. We definitely can't be smoking cannabis inside of a hospital. Or Um, prison. Yeah, definitely lots of places. But out in public, well, I was sort of left up more to local governments. And we've seen a few different responses. So like previously, people probably already know this one. Wright County banned cannabis in all public spaces. Just if you're in public, you can't be consuming cannabis there. Um, Duluth went sort of a similar route. They did ban cannabis consumption in public parks, but it's treated the same as tobacco. So um, if you can't smoke tobacco there, you can't smoke cannabis. But if you're just like out in public on the sidewalk, you you could, in theory, consume cannabis there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no city ordinance that specifically bans that. Um, But our reason for touching this is that the sort of the bigger news is that St. Paul, a city local here to the Twin Cities, one of the largest in Minnesota, has proposed a ban on consuming yeah.
1: cannabis so what tanner was saying about just walking down the street smoking cannabis st paul wants to outright ban it with a fine of up to three hundred dollars um yeah you know i saw they had their first meeting on that mm-hmm. this month and then they delayed it to september 6 for their next i think it's the six might be yeah, the 12th yep. nope, it' september 6th at three
0: thirty. 30 it's it's i think an interesting idea they they're looking to ban that smoking and vaping in public um both tobacco and cannabis but cannabis drinks cannabis edibles still would be allowed just you couldn't smoke anywhere um anywhere in public
1: anywhere in public yeah which is in my opinion just way too restrictive mm-hmm. like um you're saying anyone without a home just can't can't essentially can't consume cannabis and it kind of takes away the freedom that people were expecting because through like prohibition people have smoked outside so it's like with this law it's like do we really want to continually like try to criminalize people
0: Mm -hmm. i know it's Uh, ridiculous to have fought for so many years to have cannabis be legal but now to have so many like quasi prohibition restriction placed on it. Yeah. Um, it's you can have cannabis. You just can't actually use it anywhere.
1: And yeah. Um, and in a city as popular as St. Paul, as like attractive as Saint Paul being like the capital of Minnesota. Seems like such a bad move yeah. like for I, a city.
0: I wanted to bring in a, a quote from one of the city council members. The city council member uh, Mitra Jalali said, quote, the proposed language is so overly broad it would outlaw smoking cannabis in virtually all public spaces in St. Paul, from parks and trails to sidewalks and parking lots and a lot more. Essentially, unless you own a single family home, a private residence in the city of St. Paul, and you can afford to have your own backyard, under this policy, you'd likely not be able to use a substance that was just legalized. I think the point that she made there is so spot on. It's, you know, cannabis would be legal if you have the private residence to use it, but not if you're... You know a majority of people in the city who are renting or or maybe just not in a place where they can consume cannabis on their property
1: yeah which is just not the objective of full legalization it goes against both like the spirit and i think the letter
0: of the law yeah well and i think there's a lot of people that say hey it's it's a fine it's, it's 300 bucks like what is 300 bucks but Hey, three hundred bucks is a lot of money. If you're already renting, yeah. Yeah, And and if you go, if you say like, "Hey, I can't afford that right now. Like, I'll come back to that later." Like, you could be denied a job. You Mm -hmm. could be denied housing. Like, this is a big deal. And prohibition should be over. We shouldn't be trying to bring in new parts of this. So, um, if you are looking to testify on this, if you want to make your voice heard, if you want to go and be part of this process. St. Paul is looking for public input. So John touched on the date earlier, uh, September 6th, 3.30 p.m. at City Hall. Um, they're looking for people to come and testify. If you're not able to make it, you can also submit public comments. So to contact-council at ci.stpaul.mn.us.
1: And could we put that in
0: the notes? Oh yeah, that will definitely be in the Perfect. show notes. Um, because this is an important issue. And well, yes. we want to touch on every single city in Minnesota trying to enact these bans. We just unfortunately we just realistically can't talk about all of them, but mm-hmm. but St. Paul is such a large city, it's our capital. We really should be setting the precedent of cannabis is legal, not just for the people that yeah. can afford
1: it. St. Paul is a city the law was changed in. So I feel like just yeah, having people come out and tell tell them how you feel. I feel like people of St. Paul in the end are the ones who are going to be affected by this. So if you yeah. live in St. Paul especially, I think you should get your voice heard.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I also wanted to touch on another city that's a little bit outside of St. Paul, our friends in Bemidji, um, that are going in a slightly different direction. So, um, Almost
1: the opposite.
0: Yeah, essentially (laughs) the opposite. So House File 100 left a lot of the rules about where you can smoke to cities, but it also left the idea of opening municipal cannabis dispensaries, Mm -hmm. essentially a city or or county-owned dispensary And the Bemidji Bemidji City Council held their first meeting on whether the city should establish a a municipal dispensary.
1: Wow. I love that they're having that discussion so early, giving themselves just, like, the space Mm -hmm. to actually figure this out and do it the right way, it seems like. And Bemidji might be somewhere we have to check out sometime. Uh,
0: Definitely a place that we got to make a road trip to. Not far from Red Lake. No, Oh, (laughs) definitely not far from there at all. What I think is a good conversation for cities to be having is Mm -hmm. maybe a municipal dispensary is not for you. In fact, the people that came to the meeting, one of the reasons that they said the city should not do it is that they really didn't want it interfering with entrepreneurs in the city.
1: And that's the thing. It is really a double-edged sword because the city could establish that municipal Mm -hmm. dispensary. And if it's a small town, it's like, okay, we're the only ones. Yeah, And yeah, like it, They were saying it kind of stifles all the uh,
0: would-be entrepreneurs. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I think there are the pros, but also a lot of cons. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to be seeing cities that are engaging this dialogue, trying to see how people in their city feel, because definitely a municipal dispensary, not for every city, not for every county in Minnesota. But asking the question, is it for us? I think it's a good conversation for cities to be having, especially... Months before that license process even begins. Figure out if this is something your city's interested in doing.
1: Yeah, man. If you're in Bemidji, too, go go talk to them. See see what their timeline looks like.
0: Yeah, they, they held their meeting on August 28th, so just a couple days ago on Monday. Um, it was a short meeting, to say the least. The really? meeting itself was...
1: Um, was that the only topic discussed? It
0: was, okay. and it was less than 10 minutes in wow. total discussion. But... Wow. There were people from the city that were listening, engaging in discussion. Mm-hmm. I think we should applaud at least the attempt at starting this. Yeah, I applaud both sides. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So shout out to Bemidji for at least engaging in discussion, getting things started, and engaging with the cannabis community and figuring out what is this next chapter of cannabis regulation look like instead of what is this next chapter of cannabis prohibition look like. We also wanted to touch on some other news. Now, not here in Minnesota, necessarily. This is going on over in Washington, D.C. Um, and this was some pretty big news that came out earlier in this week. So, um, John, you might not have heard about this.
1: You know, I saw a news alert, and that was it. Well, then so let I'm let excited to get in. into it.
0: So the United States Department of Health and Human Services, one of the cabinet-level departments, was tasked by President Biden a couple months back to really investigate whether cannabis should be a Schedule One substance. I think there was a lot of hope into what they were going to do, and then things were quiet for a little bit. Well, they've officially come out and said they have done the research, they've looked at the issue, they don't believe cannabis should be part of Schedule One of, of the Controlled Substances Act anymore. Wow. Um, they say it's not at a high risk for abuse, it has medical benefits, and that fits much more squarely in schedule three
1: yes and for those of you who aren't sure schedule one is hard narcotics oh yeah hard narcotics. think of your meths and your heroines that's how cannabis has been federally recognized by yeah by our government and i think most governments yeah yeah
0: we've had this sort of duopoly or this uh this black and white of of the feds say there's no medical benefit to cannabis, mm-hmm. but as we know, a majority of states have some sort of medical cannabis program. So clearly, there's yeah. some sort of medical benefit. Even
1: more egregiously, we have 23 now mm-hmm. legal states with a drug that is in our most like extreme classification. Yeah. So this is kind of a big revelation. Like if it gets moved over federally, I think it gives. A lot of space to those legal states mm-hmm. to uh, for those companies to kind of operate
0: yeah. better. So there's a couple big implications, and and before I jump into them, I sort of want to add the caveat: Health and Human Services they actually don't get the final say on this. It's up to the DEA. Um, uh-huh. We yeah we whomp, whomp. I know. So <laughs> so we do need the dea to actually implement that recommendation. But if they were to do that, there's some pretty big changes. One. You know, 280E, the rules around what tax is deductible or what things are deductible on taxes for cannabis businesses versus other businesses, well, this solves it, because that only applies to Schedule 1 and 2 drugs. Mm -hmm. If cannabis is Schedule 3, suddenly cannabis businesses can start deducting their operating expenses on their taxes.
1: Yeah, That'd be a huge thing. for That'll trickle down from taxes into banking and finance, like Mm -hmm. I think American Express and one other Absolutely, yeah. Amex, mm-hmm. yeah, don't accept cannabis companies right now. Like cannabis companies making hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. cannot use these uh things because of uh the schedule three classification. So it'll just be just like a real um what's the word I'm looking for? Just like a real not int- like we'll be allowed into like the lights a lot more. Like It'll, it won't be legal, but it will be closer to
0: legal in a real concrete way. Absolutely. I think so many of the barriers that allow like our state programs to actually be successful, mm-hmm. not all of them would be gone. That's for sure. It would still be a controlled substance. Yeah. But we'd see a lot of those big ones out of the way. These
1: companies won't have to go from bank to bank or have mm-hmm. like tubs full of cash all the time. That's just unsafe. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and we in Minnesota, I mean, we have this huge medical research industry. Mm -hmm. This would really open up so much research on cannabis, something that has been, I mean, frankly, blocked by the federal government for so many years. We'd finally be able to actually research it.
1: You know, I've heard stories of cannabis researchers having to go buy seeds on the street Mm -hmm. to do, like, high-level research. Mm-hmm. And so it's like all these strange contradictions in cannabis come from the Schedule Three classification. Yeah. So it was definitely good A lot
0: closer, that's for sure. So but
1: we're not, not there yet.
0: No. Yeah. No. 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 Well, and that's why I wanted to throw in that caveat of like, this is a big recommendation. Like, um, the the cannabis stock markets, taken for what you will, they're they're <laughs> pretty whatever. Weed stocks. Um, yeah, weed stocks. Um, they've, they've gone up uh, about 28% over the last two days um, just on this news alone. Yeah. And this news is just a recommendation. Like, this isn't <laughs> even a change in rules. This is, like, th- we, we think we you suggest, guys should probably yeah. change the rules. So um, we recommend hesitancy. Yeah, the DEA will not yeah. prioritize this. No, yeah. no, no, no. But I think it's still something knows? we can celebrate as an industry while still recognizing and Don't something we can lobby on.
1: Mm-hmm. We Like, we can lobby, yeah, the DEA or the Biden administration right now. Like, hey, this is a recommendation. Let's get a move
0: on it. Yeah, 100%. So I have some more questions about, like, what this actually means for cannabis businesses here in Minnesota today. I'm going to save those for Jen Riza a little bit later in our interview. She's going to break down more about, like, if you're a business owner, what do you need to know about this? Is this something you should be paying attention to? Um, but... That's sort of all the all the big news that we wanted to touch on today. Um, should we transition to trying out a product? Oh yes, please. So um, we're at the the sampling part of this show, and and today we're we're sort of taking a little bit of a, a twist to things. So um, <laughs> we're trying out cannabis products, yes, but these are cannabis products that are have added adaptogens now. John, do you know what an adaptogen is? Adaptogen,
1: what's that?
0: Such a great question. An adaptogen is something that has been added to cannabis that's not cannabis, but instead another natural basis. In this case, mushroom. Mm. So um, we uh, in the cannabis industry have sort of had this other industry trickling around coexisting co-mingling
1: of yeah, a, a sibling industry, a sibling
0: industry. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is, that is the mushroom industry. We'll set that psychedelic side of it, but also we have this entire side of looking at mushrooms and the effects that they might be having on us. Now I want to throw in a caveat. Um, we're going to be reading off of these products, saying what um, balance the, the, the brand that we're going to be trying today says about this. Um, this is not medical advice. We are not suggesting that, that we are implying effect with this. Um, we are more reading off the label. And today are going to be trying two different balanced products, part of their new uh, mushroom blend series. So, so we've got two that we're going to be trying. These are their functional cannabis elixirs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got THC, CBD, but then also a variety of different mushrooms that we're going to be trying out. Now, these are um, non-psychedelic mushrooms. These are uh, adaptogenic yes. mushrooms. Um, so... Which one do you want to try first? We've got a Zen blend, and then we've also got a Brain Boost.
1: Let's, let's try this Brain Boost here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off the can. Cool. It goes, Awaken the Mind, a magical elixir that harnesses the alchemy of cannabinoids, terpenes, and mushrooms to take the, your spirits higher and unleash your limitless potential. So this one is the Hibiscus Punch, and it's got cannabis, lion's mane, Ashwaganda, Rhodiola, that one almost got me. Lem- lemonine, that one did get me. And agave, inulin. Wow,
0: there you go. Yeah.
1: So they have everything that these things would like to do mm-hmm. for you. And I, I'll just leave you guys to find the can and read it yourself. Honestly,
0: yeah definitely, definitely check it out. We know it has five milligrams of THC five milligrams of CBD. And then this uh, this this blend, so a blend of terpenes, a blend of mushroom extracts, um, and
1: some monk fruit extract. Yeah, flavored with monk fruit extract, I love that.
0: Okay. Well, should we go ahead and bust this one open and give it a try? Yeah, let's do it. We've gotten really good at that sound effect of opening <laughs> the can. wow it's got a really nice flavor to it yeah
1: that's like that fruit punch mm-hmm. it's not not very sweet but there is like a that's i i recognize that as the monk fruit that um that little lasting sweetness on your tongue yeah like monk mm-hmm. fruit does that
0: mm-hmm. you definitely get the punch part of this like it is it is a fruit punch
1: that it is, is a fruit punch sure. yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, interesting. So I'm curious to see, you know, like, some of the things that the can suggest, like maybe energy, clarity, elevating mood. Um, I don't know. I'll we'll have to see if we we'll see. we feel those effects. Um, I like the gut health one. That's, yeah, seems gut like a health. A good a good thing to have. Um, Is um yeah,
1: very strong flavor. Well, not too sweet. The one-to-one's really nice. I like five milligrams CBD. I'm into that.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is good. I, I'm. I'll be honest. Sometimes a little bit more hesitant of some of the like floral hibiscus type drinks. Mm-hmm. This one definitely is much more of like the the fruity side, less of the floral side. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I I I drink this one again for sure. All right, we got one more to try here. This is not the brain boost, but this is the Zen blend one. Um, still has that same cannabis and adaptogen to so some of that, that mushroom. Um, we got ashwanga. Ashwanga?
1: Ashwanga.
0: And then we also got chaga and reishi mushroom.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read off this one. Oh, perfect. This one goes, unwind the mind. A magical, ex- oh, it's the same... No, no, no! It's different. Okay, a magical elixir that harnesses the alchemy of cannabinoids, terpenes, and mushrooms to help you transcend stress and slip into a state of relaxation. Ooh! So yeah, this one is cannabis, rishi, ashwanga, chaga, and it also has a uh, linolul, and then the agave inulin again. Well, it looks like.
0: Well, this is a good one to be having at the end of our recording today. Mm-hmm. To Fresh lime
1: juice up. and monk, also flavored with monk fruit. Love that.
0: <laughs> Perfect. I'm a big Blackberry fan, so I'm pretty excited for this
1: one. Give us each a nice little pour. This one looks like Sprite. Yeah. Oh, Cheers. definitely Cheers. So. <laughs> and these are caffeinated but are not caffeinated but are carbonated mm-hmm. but not like soda bubbly it's very just like sparkling water bubbly like it's flavored and it's colored but it's just like sparkling water i like this one yeah this one's really really up my alley mm-hmm. like you can taste that fresh lime i could drink this in like in the morning every day
0: mhm get like some of that Limonene mixing with or the in lime. The afternoon. Flavor. Oh my god, yeah. This one's just it tastes
1: so fresh and refreshing.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know how to describe it. It's like a very flavor forward sort of drink. Where it's yeah. like you taste it right away and it's a bold flavor and it's pretty good. That's pretty I good. I like that. Yeah. Blackberry Lime. I like that one. So so John, you had to choose. Are you drinking the Brain Boost that hibiscus punch? Or are you doing the the Zen Blend that blackberry lime one? Mm,
1: you know they were both pretty good. I liked the flavor on the punch. I like that uh, punch flavor, but the Zen Blend is gotta be the one. It's mm. yeah, very refreshing, like really crisp, like on like on the initial drink. And yeah. uh, let's let's. What's it doing for me? Yeah, so we got chill vibes, body relaxation, ease stress, balance mood, immune boost, mental clarity, stress relief, super antioxidants, immune boost, wind down, relax, and our favorite, gut health.
0: It's <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. cool. I like that the ingredients actually list like what specific terpenes they add to it. Yeah, it tells you. Yeah, it's a Pineapple.
1: it's an educational like mm-hmm. can honestly.
0: It's a cool product. Made here in Minnesota, yep. women-owned company, manufactured by Big Watt. We know them. I mean, it's it's good stuff. So mm-hmm. um, definitely something to check out. Now, these cans we got at House of Oil Works in Anoka. Mm-hmm. If you're in Anoka, if you're in that part of the city, if you're even in like that half of the metro area, check it out. It's a pretty You'll cool shop. Out. They've got a huge variety of cannabis crossed with mushroom products um, for people to, people to try out. So now we're going to cut here, head to that interview with Jen Riza, hear a little bit more about what new cannabis entrepreneurs need to know about getting an attorney on their team, and then we're going to come on back, talk about the great Minnesota get-together. We'll be right back. Are you a retailer or manufacturer of hemp-derived cannabis products in Minnesota? Join CanaConnect and the North Star Law Group for an exciting evening of discussion and collaboration to ensure the success of Minnesota's cannabis industry. On Monday, September 25th at 5:30 p.m., CannaConnect together with the Minnesota Cannabis College, North Star Law Group and Trail Magic will host an inspiring panel discussion located in the Minneapolis Cider Company. You will have the opportunity to listen, engage, and learn from a panel of experts. We invite you to join us to build a stronger cannabis industry in Minnesota together. Reserve your spot now while you still can. We look forward to seeing you there. Learn more at mncannabiscollege.org backslash together. All right, and we're back. We're sitting here today with Jen Riza Again, welcome back. Thanks, Tanner. Glad to be here. Absolutely. We're glad to have you back. It's a really big time in terms of cannabis law, a lot of changing, shifting. And so we really wanted to bring you back, answer some questions for people that they had sent in and just cover cannabis law generally. So thanks for coming back. here.
2: You bet. Yes. There have been so many questions uh, going around the industry and there's this is amazing. It's just a time of change and growth.
0: Mm -hmm. Perfect. So last that you were here, we asked people to send in some questions and there were a lot that people sent in. But a recurring theme that kept coming up, kept seeming to circle around was essentially, what can I do myself in terms of starting a cannabis business? And when do I need a lawyer? So, Jen, this might be a strange question to ask an attorney, but but in essence, when people are starting their business, what can people do without an attorney?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question, Tanner. Um, and it's something that I've thought about a lot because I like to try to trust my clients, you know, to to know their business and their industry, really really well i'm a piece of their team um i certainly don't have (laughs) all the answers um so minnesota makes it easy to form an llc without Mm -hmm. having an attorney our secretary of state site is one of the best in the nation um so once you have a name selected it's pretty easy to go in and file your llc and pay that fee um You also can certainly get an employee identification number from the IRS and sign up for the Minnesota sales tax if you're selling to Minnesotans uh, by yourself. Those are, you know, kind of your core startup activities. Um, If you do have more than one partner or owner of your entity, I do really recommend that people enter into what's known as an operating agreement or an Mm -hmm. LLC agreement as between the owners. Um, There are forms of those online that you can get from LegalZoom and stuff like that. Um, but they are not particularly good, and that is a, that is a place, I think, uh, where it's worth taking a little time talking to an attorney and getting that right because an operating agreement is basically um, a prenup and operating procedures mm-hmm. for your LLC. And so an, an attorney that actually does a lot of operating agreements can help you the partners you know, work through that and think through that stuff together. Now, I launched right into startup law activities, okay? But there are lots of other things that other lawyers do, right? I'm a startup and business lawyer, I guess, myself. That's why I thought about it. Um, But certainly, one should bring in a lawyer if they are in a sort of highly um, regulated area in general. Um, You know, IP is an obvious one, and then cannabis is an obvious one uh, because as you scope out your business plan, it is so important to... Come up with a business plan that works within the law mm-hmm. right, and so there are lots of other good um, educational materials that can help people get most of the way there, but to the extent that they have questions about hmm could we could we do this under this license or I have this you know creative idea, would this require a license? those are the kind of questions that I'm talking to people a lot about. These days as they try to scope out their business.
0: That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like Joe in Winona, I'm looking to start my cannabis business. Mm -hmm. I can reserve that name online. Don't really need an attorney for that. I can start to get my business plan together, start to do that. But if I'm looking to bring together a team, get this agreement in place, like that foundation of my business Mm -hmm. might be helpful to have an attorney on the team to help that get done.
2: Uh, I would say get done well, right? Okay. Yeah, You could do it elsewhere, but I would say the attorney version is going to be more um, uh, valuable in the long run. I think mm-hmm. that's
0: such a great distinction. And, <laughs> and what I love is during the finance training that you did a couple months back, you talked about how this is like that foundation of the business. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to get months down the line and realize, hey, that agreement we had in place isn't really working out. So mm-hmm. definitely I can see that being something you would want to have an attorney for.
2: Correct, correct, Yes. So the operating agreement, the other piece that that does that that points me to is it helps you get your cap table set up. So who are the owners of this business and in what proportions do they own with one another? You can certainly have those discussions as, and should as a team, um, but an attorney can help you actually get that cap table nailed down. And that's the kind of thing that if you leave it until, you know, there's bad blood between the partners, that can, that can create some really expensive and, um, you know, painful Um, yeah. (laughs)
0: Totally makes sense. And then you talked a little bit about figuring out like if the idea that you have for a business fits in a license or like what type of license type you want to have. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend that people, I mean, obviously they shouldn't go out and like get an attorney on retainer right now. But if you're looking to figure out like what that game plan is, how do you go about getting an attorney on your team? How do you sort of start that discussion?
2: Sure, sure. And the attorney on, I mean, I think that maybe they do want to go get attorney on retainer okay. right now. Um, you know, for me, that just means I I know who my clients are and the people that I'm keeping updated, and then they call me as they have questions. So it's not some big, um, so I mean, whatever actually, scary thing. Let's let's break this down because okay. I think it's
0: it's one of those things that people have maybe like, oh, that's a that's a big step. What does that actually mean? What does it mean for an attorney to to sort of have them on retainer?
2: Yes. Um. Uh, as attorneys, we have to do an engagement agreement with each client that lays out sort of the rights and responsibilities of both parties. We have fiduciary duties to our clients, and so those are usually expressed in what 's known as an engagement agreement. Um, most attorneys also require a retainer to get started, which is an amount of money that you pay into trust and then um, goes against future fees. Sometimes retainers are large amounts of money, or sometimes attorneys will tar- will ask for retainers that cover like most of expected fees mm-hmm. for a matter. Others, it's more of a nominal um, amount up front, and then they'll, you know, bill you um, over time. Um, okay, so that's the economics of it. But you're looking yeah. at me like, okay, but what does that mean, right? It means that you know who you're going to call as you have questions that come up, right? Um, you thought about this. You need to bring in this partner. You need to, um, you know, think about a contract with this other party. They're your, they're your person, right? They're your legal team person that understands your business and, and, uh, and also helps you stay organized. So it's, it's good to have an attorney on your team as you, as you start, especially if you have big plans. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, such a great framework to have in mind. And I appreciate you breaking down that for us because <laughs> I think there's some people that hear that and think, wow, that's a really big step. But it's sort of an important step for people, especially as they're starting up a new business. So for some of the people that are maybe already operating in the industry, Maybe you've been working on that low-potency hemp side for a while. We know the rules weren't super strict a couple of months ago.
2: <laughs> or existence, Yeah, yeah or
0: existent. Uh-huh. Um, and now people are maybe in the business, you're doing this, and you're thinking, man, I really want to get ready for this next step of legalization. Mm-hmm. Is this step sort of similar for someone starting a business? They reach out, figure out who they want to get on their team, and sort of start that process.
2: It is, yes. Um, sometimes as a lawyer um, – People don't come to us until things are starting to break, mm-hmm. um, and it's always easier to help people. Uh, you know, when things are pretty good, and we can say, "Okay, so here's kind of a little checklist: Like, did you do this? Did you apply for the LLC? Are you paying the sales or the or the cannabis tax to the mm-hmm. to Minnesota? You know, right? We can do a little <laughs> compliance uh, checklist cleanup, and then yeah, help them think through. So, what are your next steps, and what's it going to take to get there, um, and how can we help? Another thing that we do as attorneys is. Is think about who else should be on the team um, and help give you know referrals or names to those other team members, accountants, bakers, insurers. Um, again, we certainly consultants as well. We certainly don't have all the answers.
0: <laughs> I love that. No, I appreciate you sharing that, and I think uh, explaining for people about what it means to have a lawyer on your team. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask are there things that you would highly recommend, like definitely do not do this step before you have an attorney on your team? Like, are there things that come to mind that maybe you've had people reach out to you and the things have sort of broken phase Mm -hmm. that if they had reached out beforehand, things would not have been that way.
2: Mm -hmm. Certainly lots of relationships between founders break down over time. And that's Mm -hmm. why we want to get um, that operating agreement in place. Uh, because it helps founders think through what they're trying to do a little better. And then also makes it easier for them to divorce and move on. Mm -hmm. um, If that relationship goes south, let's see other things they shouldn't do without an attorney. Um, Bring in investors is a big one. Uh, That's implicates securities laws. um, And that's just really not a thing to do at home. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so bring, bringing in capital in kind of crazy ways is something that I have seen people do and, and has caused great pain for them. Um,
0: Which I think is prudent for the cannabis industry of Minnesota uh-huh. today. I think there's a lot of people that have businesses that will be expanding over the next couple of months, years, uh-huh. and um, we, have, we know capital is needed to expand. and uh, <laughs> Got to make sure you get that in a way that helps your business.
2: Exactly, exactly. And there are lots of different ways to structure uh, bringing in investors or bringing in capital that an attorney can help you think about um, what the right structure is for what you're trying to do. So it's it's worth having those conversations for that reason as well. Okay, let's see. I mean, I think there'll be people, you know, buying buildings, um, entering into, you know, complicated, like, Distribution agreements or quasi franchise agreements. um, It would be really good to have a lawyer helping you think through that stuff instead of just doing it on a napkin. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So there's. I mean. So what we're saying is there are all these what we think of as transactional lawyering. Yeah. um, Short of people sometimes think like all lawyers do is if you get in trouble then you then you call a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Yes, please do. But but even better. To have um, somebody who's helping you try to get it right on the front end, um, and then and then we'll stand behind you if you do get in trouble, um, which we certainly do because we also have criminal defense partners, which mm-hmm. is really fun. As a teacher, I often tell my students mm-hmm.
0: try first and then come and ask me for help. Mm-hmm. And it sounds yes. like as an attorney, the advice might be, "Hey, come and ask me." Worst case scenario, I might tell you, "No, this is something that." that you can do. I'll give you some advice around it, but don't just like jump into these complicated agreements. Consult an attorney first.
2: Or or maybe halfway through. Okay. Like create a draft, mm-hmm. but then it's so much easier to advise someone on a draft plan than something that they've already s- sunk a whole bunch of money okay. into that doesn't work.
0: I love that. I love sort of that middle ground of like mm-hmm. do it. but
2: you know. I I always think... It's easier for me to turn the ship away from the iceberg earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. I like that <laughs> analogy.
2: <laughs> so, and more cheaply, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: So uh, we touched on sort of at the beginning of the episode that there's a lot of changing information. This is the time when cannabis law is rapidly evolving in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Where sort of do you recommend people go to find information?
2: Um, it's such a good question. Um, It is really hard to find quality information about cannabis and Minnesota specifically. Um, I think that you guys at the Minnesota Cannabis College are doing a great job. I love your guide to the licenses um, under HF 100. I give it to people all the time. Thank you. You are welcome. Um, I also think that Minnesota regulators, again, generally do a better job um, than most. I was impressed that the Office of Cannabis Management had that website up like the day that the governor signed the Mm -hmm. bill And they continue to add stuff to their website um, as issues are answered or content is created. Um, And so that OCM website is definitely, you know, my number two bookmark. Um, But my number one bookmark is still the final conference committee version of HF100. I mean, the statute hasn't even been folded into the Minnesota statutes online, um, which I assume will happen at, you know, at some point soon here, um, pretty tired of reading and underlined. Um, you know, it, it's um, it's it's a time that you have to you have to know who is really keeping close track of this stuff, and that's something else that you're paying for having a lawyer on retainer. Awesome. Just, yeah, having that um, that peace of mind that you know, <laughs> if if something has happened, that there you've got somebody on your team is paying attention. Yeah. I love that tie back. I think that's a great connection.
0: So, with turning now away from Minnesota, um, recently there was some national news. um, Health and Human Services Department has asked the DEA to federally reschedule cannabis. So, moving it from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. Now, it is up to DEA to have that authority. So, this is essentially a recommendation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to ask you, from a legal perspective, sort of what are your thoughts on this? Is this something that you're watching closely? Or is this sort of one of those bigger stories that people can maybe check back in on in a couple weeks or months.
2: I think I think uh, that it's it's both. Maybe I mean this is a big deal mm-hmm. um, that HHS recommended to the DEA to schedule to schedule three instead of schedule one. A couple things that that would mean that a move to schedule three would mean um, it would resolve the 280E tax problem Mm -hmm. that is so painful for the cannabis industry. Um, And it would also allow medical research on cannabis to be done much more easily. Schedule three is, um, is the same schedule that ketamine and Tylenol with codeine are right now. So substances that you need a prescription for, um, but are not considered particularly dangerous or illegal. Um, And so, Schedule three would be a big improvement over Schedule one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's where DEA is going to land. Of course, DEA could choose to to um, instead go to Schedule two, which would not solve the two eighty e problem. Um, and I know that there are other people pushing for um, a Schedule four, a special you know okay, state totally. state legal schedule. Yeah. Um. So super interesting. I'm I'm glad to see some movement at the federal level on this issue and I'm hopeful that we'll get at least the 280E thing resolved either through this or through another way by the time that Minnesota businesses are able to actually sell cannabis to the public. Uh, I'm more hopeful about that than I was last week, I guess. Okay. Um, but I'm still not holding my breath for it.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, the the cannabis stock market jumped like 14% yesterday on the news and that's, you know, we'll take it or leave it. But I think the point about businesses here in Minnesota is prudent. That's like the 280 thing is a, is a huge barrier for a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to get that bumped down outside of schedule one and two, it doesn't apply anymore. And and I think that would be that would be very huge. And, yes. I, and I appreciate that you touched on the research as well. because I think the whole medical side, we definitely on this podcast do not touch on enough. But it's an important part of our industry and, mm-hmm. and having that increased access to research. Um, I think it's only a good thing for
2: us. Well, and Minnesota's med tech industry has been, you know, front and center for many mm-hmm. years on many issues. And I really firmly believe there's a big role to play in research into cannabis and psychedelics in Minnesota. And I, I um, am excited to see that grow. By the way, a person who I've gotten a lot of good information about this from is Curtis Hannah, who's now working uh, with blood strategies. Um, he's a, he's a good follow on LinkedIn and really uh, smart on these issues. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate you sort of filling us in on that. And I appreciate the nuance of definitely
0: something to watch. It might not happen tomorrow, but still (laughs) something you should be checking out for.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Awesome. So before we wrap today, I wanted to ask you if there's anything over the next couple of weeks, months, that you're looking forward to in the industry. Any news events or or milestones in the coming weeks?
2: Well, our next big compliance deadline is October 1st. Mm -hmm. And that's the deadline by which um, everyone who is selling uh, hemp-derived beverages or edibles needs to register with OCM. Um, it's a pretty easy and free registration link. Um, OCM is taking a broad view. They they are asking everyone who is producing, um, distributing, and selling um, these to, to do the free registration. And really the importance here is that after October 1st, if you didn't do this registration, OCM is going to say, you're not selling these products in compliance with law and you have to stop selling the products or be fined. Um, and so I really want to work hard to get the word out to, uh, to some people that we haven't maybe already had in our circle. Um, you know, there are lots of grocery stores and smoke shops and, um, and folks who are selling these products and have kind of moved on with their lives. And, and, It's time for them to come into the fold and, uh, you know, they need to make sure they're they're charging the sales tax. They need to do the free registration by October 1st. And then they need to keep paying attention because this is the beginning of OCM uh, rolling out a licensing regime for the hemp derived industry. Um, And so it's, it's sort of time to come time to come in.
0: No, I, I think that's a, a big one that people should be looking forward to. I think August 1st was like that big, you know, everyone was looking forward to that date. Mm-hmm. But definitely on the industry side, that October 1st is an important date as well. Really got to make sure you do that.
2: Yes, exactly. And so, I, so I'm so i thinking a lot about how do we get the word out to mm-hmm. those other retailers and so forth. Um, so, yes, I've been talking to uh, Steve Eigenman of Canna Connect um, doing an event at Trail Magic on September 25th. Awesome. That's specifically aimed at that hemp-derived industry, celebrating what we've created in Minnesota, um, and turning our attention towards um, this compliance deadline and the future uh, industry.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll put a link mm-hmm. to that in the show notes. To so definitely be sure to check that out. Should be a, a good event.
2: Oh yeah, Trail Magic has a gorgeous space. Sorry, I said Trail Magic, but it's the um, uh, the Minnesota. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Minneapolis Cider Co. Yeah. 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 Minneapolis Cider Co. has a beautiful space. um, And I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting about that. Um, Thanks for coming back and just talking about cannabis law generally today. I know that you'll be back many times in the future because this is one of those stories that (laughs) we're just going to keep touching on. It's an evolving story, and it's one that people need to stay updated on. So appreciate you stepping into this role and helping to keep us apprised. You got it. Anytime. Awesome. Well, we'll be back here in just a couple minutes, so stay tuned. Live at the Minnesota State Fair. No, 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 I'm just nah. not, not that part. Um, but you can find the Minnesota Cannabis College at the State Fair. Mm-hmm. We're there this year in the education booth. We're, joined, uh, we're joining the Minnesota Cannabis Cooperative and Industry Council. Um, so come check us out. If you're at the State Fair, um, definitely do come check us out. But we wanted to talk about the State Fair because this year is a pretty big year for Cannabis at the State Fair. hmm now, the state fair is a really special topic for the two of us to be talking about. Because going back five, six years ago, you would have found the two of us at the state fair, like right outside of the main gate, uh, trying to get people to call their legislators.
1: Yeah. Back in those days, it was a lot of petitions mm-hmm. and a lot of sweat.
0: Yeah. So cannabis was illegal back then. Cannabis is legal now. So thankfully, we're welcomed at the state well, not exactly. Wait. Um, the State Fair actually opted this year to say no to cannabis consumption, to the sale of cannabis products, really to just like cannabis generally. In general.
1: Yeah. It was a very bold move by a new head of the State Fair. Mm-hmm.
0: So you can find some cannabis businesses at the State Fair. I mentioned the Minnesota Cannabis College, along with many others that are part of that cooperative and industry council and the education building. You can find our two medical producers in that health building. But if you want to actually buy cannabis products, products that are legal in Minnesota today, unfortunately, you you won't be finding them at the fair. No. Um, Now, will you be finding people consuming cannabis? Yeah, absolutely. Just as every year in the past. In fact, um, NPR interviewed some people about this. I want to put in a clip here from a friend of the podcast, Jeffrey Baker, new friend of the podcast, um, because he had this to say about. Smoking cannabis, at the state fair.
1: I did it years past, prior as well. So in that aspect, not much has really changed. It's an outdoor social thing. It's a way to meet new friends.
0: Definitely agree with you, Jeff. That's a pretty good way to meet <laughs> friends, to make new, uh, make new family. Uh, right. Smoke cannabis, at the state fair. And
1: And why would you change what you've been doing after legalization? Yeah. Right.
0: So we wanted to sort of. In a friendly way, poke some fun at our friends over at the Minnesota State Fair. And we're going to play a little bit of a game today. So, John, congratulations. Um, I'm excited to tell you this. You have just been promoted. What? Um, I don't know if you know this. You are in charge of the State Fair next year. 2024. Wow. You are at least the cannabis director.
1: I cannot wait. Of the
0: State Fair. Congratulations. I'm excited to be the first one. Fried
1: cannabis on
0: a stick. Oh, yeah. So, John, you, you got an important job. Um you're not just, just going to go around and, and shake a bunch of hands, smoke a bunch of doobies, and, and do that job. you got to come just... up with what are the rules. Mm. So we put together a team. They're going to bring you some proposals. And yep. we're going we're gonna to ask you to look at them or, to, or at least to think about them and say your thoughts on these different proposals of how to deal with cannabis at next year's state fair. So um, we're going we're gonna to grab our first proposal here. All right. So The first one says... 2024 cannabis ban cannabis entirely
1: absolutely not
0: absolutely not john why not
1: we well we just legalized it tanner you know with all this excitement and all this talk around cannabis i think the best thing for the fair would be to allow people the space in a way that feels fair for both families and cannabis consumers uh to allow cannabis at the fair
0: what a well reasoned argument. All right, all right. Let me let me grab a different proposal here. Um, please, please, please. All right, all right, this one a little bit different. Um, we are going to allow people to consume cannabis. It's legal, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll let people do it. Um, but we're going to set up a cannabis corner, like mm. a tiny corner, maybe like in the arts section. I don't know. It seems fitting that that part of the fair. Um, you can go and consume cannabis like over there, um, but you can't sell cannabis, even like the low potency edible products. We just want. Or I want to keep you over there.
1: Yeah, see, I understand where you're going with that. You know, you want to keep keep it in a space that you can control it, but people are going to move. It's the State Fair, Tanner. It's the Great Walk Together. People are going to be going up and down, and it's going to be hard to contain it. And think that realistically, that we can keep all these people in one space.
0: All right, all right. We we've, we've got some more proposals. Let me grab another one here. Um, okay. So
1: you ever, you ever, uh, spark a joint and want to go for a walk out of nowhere? Oh,
0: uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. yeah. In like 15 minutes here. All right. All right. We got another proposal. We got another proposal. Um, so you're right. People walk around, they smoke cannabis. People walk around, they smoke tobacco. We let people smoke tobacco around the fair in some designated spots. Mm -hmm. How about we say, if you can smoke tobacco there, you can smoke cannabis there, but you got to bring it. We're not going to let you sell it. It's it's sort of a BYOB, bring your own bud sort of deal. Mm. Um, but you can use it as long as you're in a smoking area. What mm. what are your thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts. I think I got two things. The first one is what's your favorite beer at the State Fair, Tanner?
0: Oh, I uh, the uh, the pickle beer or, oh, or yeah. Bigwood's chocolate chip cookie beer was a big one this year. That
1: is one I didn't get around Ugh.
0: to. Definitely one you got to try. That sounds awesome. Um, but, but yeah, well, yeah, that's my that's my favorite
1: beer. Well, see your favorite beer wasn't like the one I made at my house. And that's Ooh. what we want cannabis to be. We want it to be a real industry and have these regulated companies that we trust that mm-hmm. we vet like we would vet all of our all of our food manufacturers mm-hmm. and make sure that if cannabis is being allowed into the fair at all, that we have total control over what that cannabis is. So no one's having an incident. Much like we do with some of your favorite beers. I,
0: I suppose that makes sense. It would be silly to ask people to, you know, pack their own pickle beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 So I I hear you. I hear you. Let's try something different. We're gonna allow you to have sales, mm. but we're gonna keep it just in a corner. We're gonna do like mm. a beer garden but but the cannabis now we're we're working with something here yeah so like we'll allow maybe like low potency stuff that's legal today you mm -hmm. can buy it gas stations you can buy it everywhere Um, (laughs) you you might as well be able to buy it at the fair through a regulated established market Mm -hmm. um when adult youth comes on board maybe we'll apply for that like event license allow people to do that but Mm -hmm. that's all the all the future just looking at next year um we'll allow that low potency sales but but Really, just in that one corner we're we're sticking it to
1: that. you know i I understand I understand this proposal, you know, keep the sales and the activity in an area you know it feels like we're allowing it, but it's still you know one one cannabis corner
2: mm-hmm.
1: could could get unruly let's just mm-hmm. say that one mm-hmm. a single cannabis corner, I feel like people are smoking tobacco if we're having sales. Kinda have to, yeah. yeah, yeah. We gotta suppose, try to equate these things, yeah.
0: Okay, so final proposal, and here's here's what I think the 2024 State Fair should do. And I, let me know your thoughts. You're in mm, charge. Okay, okay. If you're allowed <laughs> to consume tobacco, you can also consume cannabis, and if you're allowed to sell alcohol, then you're allowed to sell legal cannabis products, as you're allowed to under house file 100 what do you think about that
1: John? now i think you have something that we can agree to uh-huh. you know i know it's 2024 we're talking about and we won't have those licenses out mm-hmm. but we do have these great tribes here in minnesota that can offer legal cannabis mm-hmm. to our the state of minnesota Absolutely, and we can uh yeah we allow it like we allow tobacco allow adults to be adults and follow the laws and. We all have a great Minnesota smoke together.
0: I love that. I, so let's do it. I'm looking forward to a, a Freer State Fair because Jen. Let me tell you, yeah. I went to the State Fair and around like 11 a.m. I was getting pretty full, and if I had some cannabis, I might have been able to slam another <laughs> tray of cheese curds.
1: Did What's you try? Did you try the cheese curd taco? The
0: cheese curd taco. Yeah. John, I waited in line for like 30 minutes for the cheese curd taco with a little bit of uh, spicy cayenne mm. raspberry sauce in the yeah. top. We'll oh say that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was so good. It and, was so good. Yeah, if and I now some... just imagine <laughs> being able to smoke a joint right before grabbing your cheese curd taco. Oh.
1: Yeah, so that was my interview, by the way, folks at the State Fair. Put me in charge, we'll get it going.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, John, thank you so much for stepping into that role. Thank you for providing your guidance to the 2024 State Fair. I hope, uh, I hope people are listening. Mm-hmm. So that's all we got for this week. We'll be back in your ears in just a couple more weeks. Make sure you're subscribed so that our new episodes are automatically delivered to you. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and LinkedIn. But we'll be back here real soon.
1: Thank you, Tanner, and thank you guys.
0: Northern Lights is a Minnesota Cannabis College production. This episode was produced by me, Tanner Barris, and by my co-host, John Barty. Production assistance from Marcus Harkis and Shayna Payton special thank you to Jen Riza for once again sharing her expertise. Today's episode was presented by North Star Law Group, your trusted partner in Minnesota's burgeoning legal cannabis industry. The information provided in this podcast does not, and is not intended to, constitute legal advice, but is instead for general information purposes only. Information shared may not constitute the most up-to-date information. No listener should act solely on the basis of information provided without first seeking advice from their own legal counsel. Please listen responsibly. If you're allowed to consume cannabis, yes, or excuse.